Hi there. Welcome to the comics that we love. It is I, your tortured soul of a clone and podcast host, Zach McCrary. Today I thought we'd try something a little bit different for the show. Usually I have a guest and we dissect one of our favorite stories together to get to the core of why it's awesome. But those episodes hit on specific storylines or titles and leave little to no room to talk to you about other fun comic booky stuff. So from now on, unless everyone hates them, I'm going to start scattering throughout the episodes what I like to call solo runs. You know, like when a character gets to break away from a team and have their own story for a mini or maxi series. But hopefully, unlike some of those, I won't get cancelled for lack of interest in low sales. I'm, I'd just rather get the Wolverine treatment. I'm hoping for the Wolverine treatment. They're going to vary. Sometimes I might break down why I love a character, and other times I might want to just talk to you guys about some of the cool ongoing books that I'm currently loving. Variety is the spice of life. So today I'd like to talk with you about Ben Riley. Sometimes the Scarlet Spider, sometimes the Jackal, sometimes Spider-Man, and currently Chasm. The clone of Peter Parker that keeps coming back to experience new and more tragic traumas. This will be controversial, but I've always been more interested in Ben Riley than Peter Parker. I have a soft spot. He's my favorite comic book character and statement, and I'll explain why right after the intro. So, without further ado, we discuss the life and times of Ben Riley. So I think it's important for anyone who may not be familiar with Ben to get to know him before I explain why he's my favorite comic book character. If you're not aware, the character first technically popped up as a clone of Spider-Man created by the Jackal, Miles Warren, and that was way back in Amazing Spider-Man issue 149 in 1975. Though he's not officially retconned into that book until the 90s when he was created officially by Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew. So here's the thing. Miles Warren was a professor at Empire State University and had an unhealthy obsession with one of his students, Gwen Stacy. This, of course, is before Spidey did the oopsie snapped your neck move while dealing with the Green Goblin. But after that, Warren fully blamed Spider-Man for the death of Gwen he would begin attempts at cloning Gwen Stacy so he could have her back, and also making clones of Spider-Man that he could use to take vengeance on the hero. In the process, of course, he learned that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, put that knowledge to work in his schemes after messing with Parker via Gwen clones, the Punisher, the Scorpion, and Tarantula. Yeah, Jackal's great at manipulation. Things seemed to finally come to a head at Shea Stadium, where Jackal had taken Peter's friend Ned Leeds, currently played by Jacob Bethelon in the MCU, with the intention of drawing Spidey out. So, once there, Spider-Man was forced to fight a clone of himself in his attempt to save his friend. During the altercation, Shea Stadium was blown up, 
and everyone inside was buried in rubble. This is when the real Jackal came forward. The one that died in Shea Stadium was a clone, duh. His plans were still in motion, but what he didn't expect was that the clone he'd created of the Web Slinger would also take on Spidey's altruistic nature, eventually siding with the real Spider-Man to take the Jackal down, but dying in the process. Or did he? Shoot forward 20-ish years into the real world to 1994, where folks at Marvel were feeling like Spider-Man had gotten a little stale. To shade things up, it was decided that Spidey needed a bit of a soft reboot, and so the Brain Trust went digging for who could replace Peter Parker and become a different Spider-Man for the extreme age of comics. They happened upon the clone story and began fleshing out the character that would become Ben Riley. That clone from the 1975 uh, story, he didn't die. But when he awoke at the bottom of a derelict smokestack, he decided, though he held the memories and feelings of Peter Parker, it was not his place to attempt to usurp the real thing, and thus left New York to attempt to build a life of his own. The name he took on? Ben Riley. Ben, from Uncle Ben, of course, and Riley, the maiden name of Aunt May. The two people Peter loved dearest in the world, other than Mary Jane. He would spend years traveling the country trying to remain under the radar, not feeling like he truly deserved a happy existence. He met Seward Trainer, a geneticist who was sort of a nemesis of the Jackal, Miles Warren. Uh, Trainer would help instill self-worth into Ben, as well as help him with fake identities so he could keep making a living. Basically, Ben would work from town to town until they had the chance to realize his credentials were fake, and then he would just simply move on. Like, think... 1970s Incredible Hulk, you know, David Banner having to run from town to town and keep moving. That all stopped when Ben learned that Aunt May was deathly ill. It was then that he returned to New York to see her. Because, I mean, though he may not be the real Peter, Ben still had all of the memories and love for that woman and couldn't help himself. This, of course, led to an altercation with Peter, who assumed the worst. I mean, clone, wouldn't you? Eventually, the two hugged and made up and became allies. This is when Ben decided that he couldn't ignore his natural calling to be a hero and donned the iconic 90s as hell costume of the Scarlet Spider. I love this outfit. It's simple, but has a cool 90s edge to it. The flat red color with the tattered blue hoodie and the diagonal spider across the chest. Plus, thanks to Seward Trainer's help, Ben had better web shooters than Peter that were on the outside of his costume. Uh, Ben also came up with various different types of webbing, such as impact webbing, which acted as a stunning weapon besides a sticky mess for criminals to deal with. It was at this time that the multiple Spider-Man books being printed by Marvel at the time, I think it was like four or five, maybe six, they got split up and kind of half the books we're, kind of, we're telling Ben's stories of the Scarlet Spider and his journey to self-discovery as both a hero and as his own man, and the other half were still focusing on classic Spidey Peter and his own stories. Again, this was all set up to eventually pass the torch to Ben, making him the one and only Spider-Man. Marvel wanted to let the fanbase get to know the character and become connected to him first, so they could more readily accept the transition. It was also only supposed to take about 10 to 12 issues, but people were enjoying it, so Marvel ran with it for over 200 issues. Thus, the much maligned clone saga of Spider-Man was born. Yeah, so that's the thing, folks. It went for over 200 issues, not because 
Marvel was trying to punish readers, but because it was selling. And yeah, we look back on it pretty poorly now, and yeah, most of it is kind of hot garbage. But people were reading it. People were curious. And I think a lot of that, honestly, from my perspective, had to do with Ben Riley as a character. At first, fans continued to dig it. Scarlet Spider had some fun stories facing off with many classic foes from the Spidey Rogues Gallery. My personal favorite being his altercations with Venom. And why was that one a big deal? It was because that was kind of Ben's arrival as a serious player. Like, see, since Peter had worn the symbiote, his spider sense didn't work against Venom. But Ben didn't have that problem. And also, Ben had a slightly more ruthless side. There was less flash and more grit in the fighting style of the Scarlet Spider as opposed to Spider-Man. After a knockdown dragout fight, Ben came out victorious, having whooped Venom pretty good, showing that he was a force to be reckoned with. But things kind of went off the rails. They dragged the story out for multiple years and became more and more convoluted. You'll see. Eventually, Seward Trainer reveals that in actuality, the clone of Peter Parker was not Ben Riley, but that, rather, the Peter Parker we'd been reading for about 20 years since that Jackal story. Yeah, Ben was the real deal, the real Peter. This shocked Ben and made Peter nearly lose his mind. Imagine being told that your whole existence was a lie and that you'd been leading a life that belonged to someone else. You stole their life. So Ben is dealing with the trauma of finding that all that time that he was feeling like the second-hand character and that he, you know, he had no right to this life. In actuality, it was his life and... Peter, meanwhile, is dealing with this idea that, like I said, he stole Ben's life from him. So that's what's going on in the stories at that point. The two would decide to keep their names since Peter had been Peter for so long and Ben still wasn't sure that he deserved any of the good fortune coming his way. After his existential crisis, Peter finds out that Mary Jane's pregnant. They decide to hang up the webs, pass the torch to Ben. Peter and Mary Jane move to Portland and begin a new life, while Ben becomes the one true wall crawler. Enter the era of Spider-Man where I was reading religiously, and thus, Ben Riley became my spider of choice. This whole era of Spider-Man stories would be about Ben finally finding a new identity and building a life completely his own. He dyed his hair blonde to distinguish himself from Peter, created his own iteration of the classic Spider-Man costume, which is still my favorite to this day. I always love the look of the web shooters being on the outside of the costume and the large black sprawling spider across the chest. It just looks cool against the red webs. It truly was the 90s vision of Spider-Man, and I was there for it. So Ben would find a job at a coffee shop called the Daily Grind, because see, Peter had the Daily Bugle, so Ben has the Daily Grind. You see what they did there? And would have various relationships and adventures of his own. One of my favorites from the time was called The Tale of Spider Carnage. Carnage symbiote disconnects from Cletus Cassidy and was roaming free. So Ben, in an attempt to rein it in, bonded with the symbiote for a time, keeping it in check to avoid it causing harm to the citizens of New York. Eventually, of course... A way to do away with the Carnage symbiote was found and Ben was freed. The symbiote was presumed dead, but, you know, it just slunk back home to Cletus. This was the period where Marvel and DC created the big Marvel versus DC crossover event, or I think it was technically called DC versus Marvel. And Ben, as Spider-Man, fought and defeated Superboy. Just a fun aside that tickled me back in the day. 
there's actually a great back and forth with Ben and the Joker because, see, there had been a previous crossover years before where Batman and Spider-Man had crossed paths. And so Peter Parker had crossed paths with the Joker and the Joker remembered Spider-Man. But Ben, that wasn't a memory for Ben. So he had no idea who Joker was. And so he just talks to him and is like, hey, where am I? What's going on? And Joker is just having a ball because he's like, oh, you're not the same dude. That's funny. And it, it was, yeah, it was a whole thing. Eventually, it would come to light. This is past Marvel and DC. Uh, eventually, it would come to light that none other than Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin, had never died, but had been hiding in the shadows for years, just messing with the life of Peter Parker in an attempt to ruin him and have his revenge. And you know all that stuff we said earlier about the fact that Peter was actually the clone and that Ben was the real Peter Parker? That was all a lie. That was all just played out by Norman Osborn for his sick revenge scheme. Why he would slowly and poorly attempt to do this over the course of two decades is beyond me, but he did it. Yeah, Norman was the benefactor behind the Jackal's cloning experiments and the puppeteer of everything that had happened to Peter and Ben since then, including everything involving Ben's friend-slash-father figure, Seward Trainer. Yeah, it turns out he was working for the Goblin, not realizing it, and uh, he was killed when he w went to try and tell Ben the truth. And like I said, it was revealed that Peter was the true Peter Parker and that Ben had been the clone all along. It was a sick game orchestrated by Gobby. And what it boils down to is that Marvel dragged out the clone saga for so long and people were just completely drained of interest and just wanted the status quo back in their Spider-Man books as it goes with the big two. You always got to return to the status quo. And that's what they'd get. Ben takes a goblin glider through the back in Shades of How Norman Osborn Had Died So Long Ago to save Peter's life. Peter defeats the Green Goblin and upon returning to his fallen brother, watches Ben turn to dust, proving once and for all who the true Spider-Man had been all along. With the unfortunate miscarriage of their child, Ben and Mary Jane return to life in New York with Peter once again taking up the mantle of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Since then, I had been waiting for a Ben Riley return for, like, almost two decades. Yeah, a long-ass time. But every time it seemed like I'd get it, it was a fake-out. Someone seeing Ben in a delusion, or Craven the Hunter wearing the Scarlet Spider costume to screw with another spider clone named Kane. Yeah, that's a whole other bag of worms. But finally, it happened. But this time, Ben returned as the Jackal. It seemed Miles Warren had collected the remnants of Ben and attempted to re-clone him. But because the clones kept degenerating, Warren would kill them and do it over again. The catch? These clones were keeping every memory from their past incarnations, and it took 26 before a perfect Ben clone was hatched. Now harboring serious mental instability thanks to being killed over and over again. 25 times. So he kills Warren and takes the role of the Jackal, but not before cloning a Warren to use for himself as a, as a, you know, his Igor, basically. But instead of being a giant green fraggle, Ben wears a sleek scarlet suit, which when I saw that suit in the comics, I just knew it was him. And an Egyptian-style Jackal mask a la Anubis. 
He attempted to use Warren's cloning process to create more clones that would take on the memories of their originals. Ben wanted to kill all of humanity and replace them, more or less, to end all diseases and death. A bit kooky, but, you know, the dude, he died like 26 times, so give him a break. After the Dead No More, the clone conspiracy storyline completed, Ben, who had secretly survived the whole thing, it seemed like he died, but he didn't, he moves to Las Vegas in an attempt to atone for his sins and once again start over. He would take on a new Scarlet Spider costume, which looked awful and I hated it. I'm sorry, I apologize to whoever came up with that costume, but look at it online Oh man, I hated seeing his mouth through the hood. Like, you could see his mouth through the... I I hated that. And I equally hated the story that he'd stolen that suit from a kid cosplaying at a convention. Cringe. The stories being told were cool. I mean, it was Peter David, and I was just glad to have him around. Thankfully, he'd eventually go back to the OG Scarlet Spider costume. He'd go on some more adventures in the 616. One such time was when he assisted Iron Man in saving James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, He'd die again during Spider-Geddon and once again be resurrected for a 27th time. Of course, Otto Octavius did kind of restabilize him, so at least he got restabilized for his 27th return. (laughs) By the way, he's also the most killed and resurrected character in all of Marvel, and Lady Death has a soft spot for him because of it. That's just a fun fact. Okay, I'm going to talk about the most recent Spider-Man Beyond storyline now, so if you haven't read it, because it is very new, and you don't want the spoilers, I apologize, this is important to what I'm trying to get at here with Ben Riley. so I totally get it if you want to stop now or jump ahead 10-15 minutes, I get it. So the latest story saw Ben return to the role of Spider-Man, with Peter on the verge of death. Ben began working for the Beyond Corporation, who'd trademarked the Spider-Man name. He got a cool Spidey suit, similar to the one he wore in the 90s with some upgrades, but not as cool looking. Peter was pretty messed up from a big altercation with some baddies, and gave Ben his blessing to continue on. But, Beyond, they weren't great. Just using Spider-Man as a prop and secretly creating new villains so he'd have to keep fighting them. They even tried to sue... Miles Morales for running around as Spider-Man. They sent him cease and desists, and I think they they actually sent Ben after him once to be like, dude, you gotta stop. Plus, they'd use Ben's true love, Janine, as a bargaining chip to keep him in line, and secretly, they were also wiping memories from his brain to turn him into their perfect soldier Spidey. The problem with that? They erased a lot of Peter's memories, which means Ben no longer remembered the lessons taught by Uncle Ben, etc., No more great power slash great responsibility. They did such bad damage that he, at one point, saves Janine from Queen Goblin and leaves Mary Jane behind because all he cares about is his and Janine's safety. Yeah, that is not something that Ben would have done like 10 issues before. And it just shows the degeneration that is going on because of what the Beyond Corporation is doing to this guy. And he... He's just now starting to realize that it's happening. So he tells Beyond, fix me or you'll regret it. And they say they can, but they need Peter involved. Peter thinks it's a trap and says he'll help Ben get the memories back, but not with Beyond's tech. Like Peter just does not believe that this is altruistic at all. He doesn't believe that Beyond has any good intentions with getting a helmet on Spider-Man's head. And he's like, I'll help you. 
but it's got to be a different way. And Ben loses it. Because, like I said, Ben's been through the ringer at this point. He's barely, he's barely Ben at this point. He thinks Peter is being selfish and doesn't want to help him. All of Ben's life, he's had the memories of living a life that was never his. And at every turn, when he tried to do something for himself, something is there to mess it up. Ben is broken. He feels lost. His moral compass literally erased, along with much of what made him who he was. And after an emotional fight with Spider-Man, as Beyond's building is flooded with this quantum-shifting polymer to destroy all evidence of wrongdoing, Peter destroys the tech that Ben wanted to use to regain his memories. Feeling absolutely defeated, Ben allows himself to be submerged in the quantum-shifting polymer and seemingly dies the saddest death. Peter urges him that they have to leave, and Ben says, You have it all, Peter. All the parts I'm missing. I just wanted them back. And Peter replies, We don't even know if it did that. We can still get you help. And as the green ooze covers him, Ben's sad face looks up at Peter. Why would I expect anyone to help me? Goodbye, Peter. It's okay. And as he closes his eyes and the green covers him, he says, I'm already gone. That scene really got me. It was a very emotional read for me, having watched everything Ben has gone through over the years, just trying to create some sort of normal life for himself. Months later... Ben would re-emerge having been mutated by the polymers, and with his mind even more fractured. He can no longer even see his own face in the mirror, just a black chasm. And that becomes his new villain name, as he dons a purple and black Spider-Man costume as Chasm. Though much of the life of Ben Riley took place in an era of Spider-Man comics that is not remembered fondly by most fans, it doesn't take away from the fact that there is an amazingly complex and tragic story under that blue hoodie and in that heart. A nameless clone embarks on a journey of self-discovery, finds that he isn't a clone at all, and takes back the hero lineage that started with him only to find that that was all a lie. He dies and is reborn 27 times, fracturing his mind. He sees it fixed, only to have it robbed of him once again, and this time, when he needs help the most, he is so far gone that he believes himself to be alone and not worthy of help. Only then to see himself become a villain thanks to the anguish and trauma that remains in the dark hole that was once the person he was. Talk about a journey. I love Peter Parker. Growing up, Spider-Man was always one of my favorite heroes, and... I first became a hardcore reader during the middle of the Clone Saga. When I had my first pull list at Comics Connection in York, Pennsylvania as a 12-year-old, shout out to Comics Connection, Ben was Spider-Man. So even though I recognize that Peter is Spidey, Ben was my Spidey. His story is heartbreaking. To have your identity torn away from you over and over, and every time you think you've found the truth, you're calling, you find that it's all been a lie. Since 1975, Ben Riley has struggled to find meaning in his life and create a world for himself beyond just being a clone of Peter Parker. He's had to accept that the memories floating in his mind are not truly his. It's impossible to even imagine how that must feel. And though he's had many missteps over the years and done some terrible things, Ben always somehow manages to find his way back. But how has he found his way back? by using the memories of Peter Parker as a North Star.
You want to talk about a Greek tragedy? Shakespeare couldn't have written a more potent tale of identity and loss. Ben Riley is one of the most real characters ever created by Marvel. And I don't mean in the sense of he could really exist. I mean in that as Ben goes through life, the events that take place really affect him. He doesn't restore to a status quo. He changes. Sometimes he adapts and finds the positive, a silver lining. But he's also very capable of making huge mistakes and paying dearly for them. Ben Riley is so human, it hurts. And his current saga as the character Chasm, I feel so many things about it. As a fan and a reader, I'm both intrigued and thrilled that he's still around and Marvel is continuing to include him in their books. But as someone who is connected to his story, it also kind of hurts the same way it does to watch a friend stumble and fall in life and feel like there's nothing you can do to save them. And that's the kind of story that Marvel has told with Ben Riley, And that's why he's my favorite comic book character of all time. And that's a wrap for this week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review and leave us a user review on your favorite podcast app. It'll really help the show continue to grow and find new listeners. You know what else will? Tell a friend. Tell ten. If they like comics, they should know about the comics that we love. If you want to support the show and get lots of extra podcasts and other content as well, there is a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and internet connected so that we can continue bringing you that sweet nerd media. Links to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the show. And as always, keep reading, keep dreaming, peace. The Comics That We Love.